Good morning, friends. For those of you watching online and the ones that are here, how are you doing? Good. If you don't know me, my name is Noel. I'm one of the elders here at Well of Life, and it is my privilege to bring you today God's Word. So we are in the seventh week of our preaching series, Rethinking Sexuality. We began with recognizing that what we think about sex begins with what we think about God, and that the gospel is written in our sexuality. We unpacked how the enemy tries to destroy our sexuality, which leads to some being bruised, some broken, and some abused. And that the answer to all our hurt and suffering is found in Jesus, because he is our redeemer. Last week, Elome shared her beautiful testimony of how Jesus healed her brokenness. And today, we'll take a look inward and see how are we to respond if we were at fault. Make sense? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your living word that corrects us, directs us, equips us, builds us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will lead us and guide us and do a work in and through us in this time. In your precious name we pray, Lord. Amen. So the title of my preach is Behind the Curtain, The War Between the Public Self Versus the Private Self. Last year, during the Christmas season, my wife and I were invited by Wayne and Angela, one of the couples who are on eldership with us and are currently in South Africa. We were invited by them to their home for a carol's evening, and we had undertaken a responsibility. Then one day, while I was helping my wife clean the house and listening to Frank Sinatra, of yourself, you know, Wayne called me asking if we were coming. And I was like, wait for? He was like, for the carol evening, you were invited. We were waiting for you guys. I realized that we had completely forgotten about the event. I apologized, drove as fast as I could, and reached halfway through the evening. We felt bad. But what's interesting is what happened behind the scenes. Now, there's always something happening behind the curtain. In that split second of me taking a deep breath on call and saying, sorry, Wayne, we forgot about it, I had a billion great ideas to lie. My heart raced while I was racing on the street. I took a wrong turn, then I took a U-turn, and my wife was like, whoa, whoa, wait, where are you going? Let's relax. And I was like, yes, you're right. We never forget such things. At that moment, the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, look inward. That's the problem. The we never forget such things is pride. As much as we were guilty about forgetting the evening, there was a deeper problem within we were not only racing to be there on time, but to live up to our own selves so that the image of we never forget such things would not break. Friends, like it or not, behind the curtain is our private self, which is mostly at war with our public self. Sometimes we are aware of it and sometimes we are not. We create an image of ourselves and start living up to it. And like a venom, the hidden sin inside us starts spreading. We claim not to struggle, especially when it comes to our sexuality, but many do. We protect the public self, which is all good and clean, while behind the curtain, there's a different intention. Truth is that one day, the false ceiling of a public self will come crashing down. We need to stop living up to it and reveal the hidden, private, sinful self to the redemptive work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Let's open our Bibles and read from 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 to 25, and see how God restores us from the sins we hide, from the sexual brokenness we unfortunately sometimes step into and hide it behind our public self in the comfort of our private self. This is what the Word of God says. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then you have despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for the sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill, they said. What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He's dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. David replied, I have fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child and sent the word through Nathan the prophet that they should name him Jedidah, which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded. Now, 
as seen in this portion of scripture david is confronted by nathan first through a story but he does not pick up that it was about him sometimes god shows us some things to correct our own hearts and not judge others then nathan tells him explicitly that he's the one now one may wonder why did david do all of that why did he sleep with another man's wife and went on to plan the murder of her husband while preparing this preach i did for a long time for a sexual encounter david had many wives if you read the previous chapter you will see that david was supposed to be out in the battle but he chose to stay behind if david had his attention where god wanted it to be he would have never had it where god did not want it but there's also a deeper problem david showed disregard for god's plan of marriage many years before his practicing of adding wives showed a lack of romantic restraint and indulgence of his passion and that corrupt seed sown long ago grew unchecked long enough and bore a bitter fruit the matter of bethsheba was simply the climax of something that was going on in his life therefore staying away from the battle provided an opportunity for the sin lurking behind the curtain in david's life nathan said to david you did it secretly David's confidence did as he said to hide his sin. He knew they had that he had slept with another man's wife and murdered him. Yet he tried to protect his public self. He tried to hide his sin. But the reality is that nothing is hidden from God. And because nothing is hidden from God, he will do justice, just as we see in the story and even in our lives. The turning point of the story though is David's response. When confronted, he pleads guilty. accepts the consequences and is eventually blessed again friends today as we continue this series of rethinking sexuality my hope is that if required we will rip the curtain off our private self break the facade we've been living behind and invite the holy spirit to restore us to restore our sexuality that was meant to be whole in christ i see this pattern in the scripture acceptance plus repentance is equals to restoration now human beings are complex we shy away from accepting things that can damage our reputation when nathan confronted david with the story of the rich man stealing the poor man's lamb his first response was to judge the man not himself he says he must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole you see david understood that true repentance means restitution He knew what the word of God said about the matter that was being discussed. And this is what the word of God says. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Now there's a reason why I'm reading the scripture to you. David knew the word of God very well, but somewhere along the line his heart became distant from the author himself, which was God. and that did not happen in a second on that rooftop from where he first saw bethsheba it happened over time sometimes we go on to do things that do not please god because we take his grace for granted in those moments and even in those gracious moments the holy spirit does prompt us but we continue on ignoring and ignoring his voice till we become deaf to him but there comes a time when you have to accept it unfortunately we do when it's too late 
when our world is burning in front of us, when we have no other option but to run to God, when did David accept it? When Nathan said to him, you are that man. When God ripped the curtain off his private cell, showed him how despicable his sin was, and pronounced his judgment. Nathan says this to David on behalf of God. Why then you have despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? And then he goes on to say, from this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. David despised God's commandment. And through the words of Nathan, he understood that by doing that, he despised God himself. See, friends, we cannot despise God's commandment without despising him. Many believe that their hidden sin has little or no impact on the relationship with God. But the scripture is clear. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Friends, either we are practicing the truth or not. Sin often lurks behind the curtain with the help of our false conscience in that spiritual darkness. And we continue on hiding it and hiding it, which leads to another lie, another murder for the sake of our public self. How do we come across on the stage of life? Sometimes we care way too much about our reputation than our relationship with God. But either we can worship ourselves or God. And worshiping ourselves, indulging in our sinful passions only leads to destruction. Billy Graham once said this, Oh yes, there's pleasure in sin for a short time, but it's soon over. The hangover comes, and there's nothing you can do about it. As prophesied by Nathan, David loses his first son from Bathsheba. If you go on to read, you will see that his son Amon rapes his half-sister, and his another son Absalom plans a coup against him. Though God forgave David, he had to go through the consequences through what his family had been through. All that was prophesied came true. Friends, we've got to see the hangover pass unless... We check our hearts, analyze our actions, and turn to God before it's too late. You see, we don't need for God to bring a showdown in our lives. And neither does He wants that for us. Now, I'm not saying that we can live a perfect life. What I am saying is you and I, as believers in Jesus, have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and He does prompt us to check our hearts, to not live in spiritual darkness and practice the truth. It is in those moments when our eyes and mind go where they shouldn't go, we need to invite the Lord. It is in those unchecked moments when no one's looking at us, we need to invite the Holy Spirit when our hearts are not in the right place. We need to reach out to a brother and sister and say, will you please help me fix my gaze at Jesus? Will you please help me walk through this valley of darkness and not look back? Because friends, when we knowingly choose to step into sexual brokenness, when we hide our brokenness behind our false public self, when we protect it behind our private self, we despise God above all. We hurt Him above all. And David understood that when Nathan confronted him. His response was, I have sinned against the Lord. The king of Judah and Israel knew that there was work to be done in him. And that was the beginning of David's journey of repentance and restoration. Friends, accepting the flaw within us does not make us weak, 
but puts us in a posture of repentance, a place from where a holy sorrow is birthed that pleases the Lord. Now, God's not vindictive, but he deserves to see us fall on our faces when we sin. We see David repenting with sheer honesty, and this is something I love about him. He's so sure about God's love that he throws himself back into his arms. Often the enemy might lie to you that this or that sin is something God cannot or will not forgive. But the beauty of God is he wants to and he can. He just seeks the heart. David fasted and prayed for six days while he was repenting. I wondered what that time looked like. He gives us a glimpse of it in Psalm 51. What a man. He went on from hiding his sin to recording his song of repentance. This is what he writes. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. For I recognize my rebellion. This was an honest plea. He confesses that the hidden sin inside him haunts him. He writes, you will be proved right in what you say and a judgment against me is just. Though David was asking God for forgiveness, he does not deny his judgment. I love verse 6 where he says, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Friends, our relationship with God cannot be dishonest. Our private self cannot be fostering sin while our public self is living a false righteous life. We need to get right with God. And when we get right with God, even if we have to face the consequences, they don't seem to be. Because God gives us a peace for them. After David had fasted and prayed for six days, he learned on the seventh day that his child had died. And what did he do? He washed himself, went to the tabernacle, worshipped the Lord and ate food. And this left his servant surprised. To which his response was, can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. I love this response. I find this the most beautiful response. One can almost feel a sheer submission of David to God's will and a hope for him to reunite with his child one day. I quite relate to David in many ways, and not just because my second name is David, but because God has restored me just like him. I'm about to share a portion of my life with you, which the eldership is, of course, aware of. And we've discussed and agreed on sharing this with you. I met my beautiful wife 11 years ago in a church. It was love at first sight. I knew God had a plan for us. Um, yes. I asked her to marry me on the very first day we met. We were serving in the church together were on our way and planning to getting married. And during that time, I had an affair with another girl and I committed a sexual sin. I was a young believer, knew the Lord then, but there was something not right in me. 
I hid it thinking hiding makes it go. But no, it only made it grow. Before I knew it, the hidden sin inside me became so big that I had no hold over myself. I became deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit because I continually ignored him. And you know what did I do? I protected my public self. Everyone who knew me then asked me why did Geraldine and I had parted ways and I blamed her. I struggled from within while living a false righteous life on the outside. I was living two lives, I was two human beings. In one moment I would be sad, in the other moment I would go on to commit a sexual sin again. My relationship with the other girl didn't last for long either. And then slowly and gradually, my world crumbled in front of me. I still remember back then, 11 years ago, one of my responsibilities in the church was to go a day before to the church and clean the church. But the irony was that the boy who went to clean the church had a lot of dirt within him. One day I went by myself to clean the church and while cleaning I sat next to this pile of trash and I broke down. I felt comfortable sitting next to the pile of trash because I felt that was cleaner than me. I cried loud, but my voice wouldn't come out. I tried to shout, but there was no sound. You know why? Because even in that moment when there was no one looking at me, my public self was at war with my private self. I realized that I had distanced myself from the Lord. I had despised Him and I had hurt everyone around me. At that moment, the Holy Spirit asked me to break free from myself. So I called Geraldine's dad, Geraldine, the girl I had an affair with, her parents, some of my family members, my friends, and I told everyone what I did. I had lied to everyone. I confessed, and on that day, I stopped running away from myself. I faced myself. It was disgusting, but needed. I ripped the curtain off my private self and then the enemy had no hold over me. I had a few brothers who walked with me, few who kept me accountable and I repented from the deepest of my heart. And my Lord forgave me, he restored me. In another two months, Geraldine and I will complete nine years of marriage. And just recently we learned that the Lord has blessed us with a child. She's conceived we are expecting. You know, friends, what holy sorrow does, it brings healing and restoration. Nothing brings healing and restoration like a truly repentant heart. And we see that beautiful picture in the story of David. The next child that came from David and Bathsheba was Solomon. And the Lord asked Nathan to call him Jedidah, which means beloved of the Lord. It was God's way of saying that he would love and bless the child that came from a marriage that began in adultery. Solomon went on to become the heir to David's throne, the throne from which Jesus, the promised Messiah, came. Solomon too made mistakes, but God did not back from his promise of bringing Jesus through the line of David. You know why? Because he is faithful even when we are not. It was God's plan from the beginning to redeem all humanity 
through Christ because he was the slain lamb before creation. Friends, Jesus' death on the cross is not some spontaneous tragedy or a historical mistake. It was God's perfect, predetermined, redemptive plan for all of us. Jesus paid the price for all our sins, not just Jews and Gentiles or Christians or whatever, everyone. His death stands in the middle and covers all. And so if there's anyone here who's sitting here and does not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior yet, and that, by that I don't mean if you know of him or have been raised in a Christian family, but if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior from your heart, then today is the day. Restoration begins from redemption in Christ. Friends, God is inviting you in a relationship with him through Christ Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus is saying yes to the relationship with the living God. Come and have a chat with one of the elders, our wives, the ministry team up here after the service. We would love to point you to the living God who still pursues us, who forgives us 70 times 7, who restores every area of our lives, even our sexuality. And as believers, we continue to look to Him. We continue to look to Jesus to restore every area of our lives till today. Today we are looking at Him in terms of our sexuality. Dr. Julie Slattery, who wrote the book Rethinking Sexuality, from which this preaching series is inspired, puts this challenge to all of us. How will we live today? Defensive, justifying our sin, afraid of the truth, angry at those who confront us? Or like David, will we desire nothing more than to be honest about our failures and be cleansed by God? How will we respond? Well, let me ask the question I asked you in the beginning. How are you doing today, church? How are you doing? You know, God made us beautiful yet simple like this clay glass. And even our sexuality is as beautiful and as simple as this. But somewhere along the line, we go on to fill ourselves our sexuality with things not of God. The very thing that was meant to glorify God becomes distance from Him. And then we start protecting the outside, the public self, while within, there's burden. Friends, when our public self is at war with our private self, when we start fostering sin, when our sexuality is broken, we need to let go of this image. We need to let go of it. We need to rip the curtain off our private self, break the facade we've been living behind, and invite the Holy Spirit to restore us. Friends, as we worship now, My encouragement to you is that if the Word of God has confronted you, if the Word of God is doing a work in your lives right now, then as we worship now, come forward for prayer. Don't let your public self hold you back. 
Don't let your private self wage war against you. Because you, your sexuality was meant to be healed and whole in Christ. So as we worship now, come forward. Break that mold. Break free from yourself. God is inviting you.